somebody was asking me the other day, what's been the most pivotal moment? I was telling them, you got to understand in life, I think we all do a disservice when we don't acknowledge that. It's not necessarily one moment, but it's a lot more like this trail of breadcrumbs. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Jamal Hill. How you doing, man? Doing excellent, sir. Happy to be on Hawk Talk. Yeah, thank you for coming. So, you know, gotta ask, I assume you like swam out of the womb and just started going right away like you're a swimmer from birth and that's just and then you ended up you know with being a you know olympian and all this like that's just how it went right that is uh, as you pointed the gold it? medal behind you for the people listening yeah <laughs> it's a bronze it's a, <laughs> oh, it's a bronze sorry my bad. Hey, if you've never seen a gold medal before though it looks like gold trust me <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it's a bronze it's a bronze yeah. you got the gist of it there's yeah. some troubles in between but yeah that's more like came out swimming <laughs> So let's start. Where, where are you from? Where were you born? Inglewood, California, board Cedar Sinai. Oh, same. Uh, hey, there man. Great hospital to be born in. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So Cedar Sinai, Inglewood, California, my whole life. Uh, so I've really, I've been able to see kind of two Inglewood renaissances. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Kobe and Shaq, big Lakers form era of yeah. Inglewood. I was a little kid when that's going on able to watch games at the forum and now we got this second coming on yeah. a whole nother level right they yeah. really all out football stadium us. the forum's oh back God. and you've got the clipper stadium the going clipper, in. they just yeah. broke ground on the clipper stadium oh they broke ground wow yeah, yeah. they had the groundbreaking ceremony two weeks ago so nice. it's a good city and are you still there are you still yeah. living in inglewood still living in inglewood man i mean i don't know that I would probably still live in LA no matter what, maybe like visit other places for three months at a time, but this is my home. Yeah, no, I get it. It's a great spot. (laughs) And so, so tell me about your upbringing, your parents, were your parents athletes? For sure. Uh, My parents, definitely both athletes. My mom was actually a all around athlete, came from a family of a lot of older brothers, one younger sister, single mom, grew up in Compton, California. Fantastic, you know, just sports player in general had an opera, was really good at track and field. She told me this story once. Apparently she had she had an opportunity to go for the Olympics herself. Wow. And, um, you know, it was a different time. There was definitely not as woke. There, there was a much different subculture going on with just, number one, appropriate behavior for women. Got and it. then number two, appropriate behavior for Black women. Yeah. Um, and again, she's coming from a single mom household who just busted a butt grandma, you know, working two, three jobs to take care of all these kids. So long story short, my grandma told her that she definitely was not allowed to try out and that she would wow. be better off being a uh, like a sonographer or a typist or secretary or something. To this day, my mom does not know how to type. <laughs> <laughs> that goes to show you how she received that message. Uh, but my dad, another great athlete definitely older uh, from the midwest from kansas city kansas and uh, he was a hooper basketball player uh came up tried to make it to a few pro teams uh just didn't work out for him and uh did a little bit of work in hollywood and you know once that was over the two of them came together and sometime later there you go how it happens that's how it happens and so did you, like, as a young kid, were you always into sports? Like, what, what tell me about you. Like, how did it, how yeah, did it all for start sure. out? Uh, so from day one, 
I was in Mommy and Me Aquatics. So oh. from 10 months old. So I was like I said, wow, we you really were. Yeah. We could cut the show here. You know, dude. <laughs> from day one, I was in Mommy and Me Aquatics or, you know, day 300, I guess, right? 10 months yeah. old. I was in Mommy and Me Aquatics. And again, my mom just being a great athlete, she definitely could like make forward progress across a body of water, mm-hmm. but she didn't really know how to swim. So and that's its own story, man. But ultimately, from day one, she's just like, yeah, this kid's going to know how to swim. He don't got to yeah. be a swimmer, but he's going to know how to swim. Yeah. And so came up literally in the local Westchester YMCA. Nice. Uh, yeah. So went mommy and me, and then I was in swim lessons. And I love the water, having a good time. One day I'm in swim lessons, probably, I don't know, some age between four and six. And I see across the kiddie pool, I see in the big pool, swim practice just started the swim team is here yep. and you know, they're looking real good <laughs> that water <laughs> over there is looking looking much wetter and bluer than the water in this little pool here um you know so so i tell my mom after the swim lesson hey i you got me in the wrong place here i need to be over on that side and uh you know rambunctious kid dude she's like jamal literally all i ever hear is your name when we're here at this swim lesson you're never listening. The instructor, I just, I would think you were the only person in the class, how much I hear your name. Yeah. Until you get your act together, there, no, the answer is no. Listen, we, we don't got to talk about incentives. I was a model student from that day on out. Yeah. And uh, within six months or so, man, you know, because I could swim at that point. Yeah. Uh, within six months or so, I was on the swim team. And dude, it was really the only sport I was doing at that time. I was all oh. in. So and how old were you? I was, I was, I made that swim team about six or seven years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's decent, man. Like you talk to swimmers, that's like a regular age to really start being on a swim team. Yeah. You know, so, uh, that's, that's how it got started. I made the swim team and, uh, you know, didn't really have any other, uh, didn't really have any other sports that I was involved in. Um, is that a year-round thing with swimming because it can be that's a great question absolutely it is a year-round thing yeah uh yeah it's a year-round thing and it takes a lot of time and dedication honestly especially just you know there there are definitely city leagues and county leagues that are more seasonal but if you're doing if you're part of a program like a y or some private club yeah it's year-round man so obviously I'm six years old. My parents have to take me to practice every day. Yep. Parents have to wake me up 4.35 a.m. on Saturday mornings to drive out to the valley for swim meets. Yeah. You know? So it was it was a family affair, and we really just all invested so much time, energy, and it's interesting. You ask my dad now. He'll say this is a lie. It never happened. But I believe it did happen. Once <laughs> upon a time, earlier on when I was in swimming, you know, he's trying to get me more into basketball and just some other sports and uh more or less the conversation goes he's like swimming's not even a real sport (laughs) 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 right you're married so imagine imagine just saying something like that to your wife she is like she went off and she's like if you want him to do any of these other things you can take him after swim practice and so I didn't end up at those other things. I was going to say, that would have been an even more commitment. Do this swimming, wake up at 4.30, go to swim practice, and then go play basketball. That would have been. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that that was it. And and obviously, you know, still a proud father, man. Once he saw how much I loved it. And, you know, honestly, once I was good at it and I'm winning, 
Winning is fun, dude. It's real easy to get invested when you're working with a winner. <laughs> I was going to ask, when did that start? Like, when did you go from like, this is fun and I like being in the nicer pool to, hey, I might actually have a knack for this? Almost immediately. Oh, okay. Almost, so you were yeah, you had a bit of a natural ability. A bit of, yeah, definitely some natural ability, uh, at least within my age range, you yeah. know, um, but also just a high competitive sense. Got it. Extremely competitive, like probably where did, where did that come from? Do you think? Because it's always interesting to see, like, I, frankly, like personally, I'm not that competitive with other people, mm -hmm. competitive of myself. Mm -hmm. So, like, I never did well in team sports because I could give a yeah. shit about the other team. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. but I really get into like beating my own times and doing my own yep. thing. Yep. But it was, but there's other people that like, like even my own brother, so raised by the same parents, yeah, he is hyper competitive and was a big mm -hmm. basketball player. So, okay. yeah, you know what? Uh, I think so. I'm I'm definitely now a lot more like how you describe yourself to be. Yeah. My extreme competitive edge is always with myself. Yeah. Uh, but I think just at that time as a kid, it was probably it's probably still the same competitiveness. But at that time, it was just misguided, right? Like there's a lot of distractions. Yeah. So it's like I understand the principle of a race is to be the first one to touch the wall. So <laughs> if this kid is touching the wall before me, that means I'm not doing very good. You know. Yeah. So I really think that's just, it was just so simple, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. a race. You, you do this stroke for this distance and the goal is to go as fast as you can, AKA in a child's mind, beat everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where it came from. Nice. Got it. And so yeah. six, seven, you were already pretty good for, were you the best on your team good. already or? In my age group, definitely, man. I was already yeah. winning medals by eight, nine, like we're going to the swim meets and, you know, again, this is there maybe I think maybe the oldest kids on our team or like middle schools, maybe young high schoolers, but out of our age group and the whole team, like, yep. you know, I'm winning high points. I'm winning high points at these meets because I'm just swimming all these events and I'm beating this county, this place, this place. I was doing fact. I own more medals and trophies from the ages of six to 10, not participation, no shame to anyone else. <laughs> more trophies and medals than I do in my entire high school collegiate and probably professional swimming career at this point in time. Got it. So, so you really just accelerate like that age. So did it, what happened after 10 then? If uh, what happened yeah. when you in middle school, high oh, school? Man. So 10 years old yeah. and uh, I'm a February baby, February 24th. That's my uh, sister's birthday. Oh, that's your sister's birthday? Yeah. There we go. Synchronicity. Yeah. I met your mom's and I'm like, I know I like her. And it's because she served <laughs> a February 24th baby. That's, That's what it, it. was. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's early spring and my dad is, you know, he's, he's really involved at this point. So he's the one really taking me to practices on a daily basis. We're, we're at the Westchester YMCA and we're just, we're, we're playing basketball. We're playing like trash can basketball in the locker room. So, you know, after practice, yeah. I'm taking my time. We ball up the paper towels, yeah. you know, and we're shooting them. We're shooting them in the hoop and he's definitely always better than me, but it's okay. So it's fun. We're having fun. And for some reason I say, Hey, look what I can do. And I go and I take my right arm and I completely dislocate my shoulder out of socket. Like, uh, wow. You would know this, like maybe not younger people, but you would know it. Like, uh, like lethal weapon. Yeah, you know? I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Like, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Exactly. So I just, boom, pop him. But I don't even have to like bang it against something to get yeah. it back in socket. I can just, eat -er, eat -er. I can, oh, I wow. can pop it in and out. And he gets this, you yeah. know, he gets this wide side, side mouth look like, mm, 
I don't think that's right, dude. I, I don't think that's normal. And so we go, we go see a doctor and the doctor says to my parents, yeah, you know, it's his shoulder has this severe dislocation and unless he stops swimming and we immobilize this shoulder, AKA put him in a sling for six to eight months, we might have to amputate that arm at some point. Jesus. I know. Just because of a dislocation or is there another problem with it? Listen, in my young mind, I'm like, bro, I'm not a doctor. I'm a kid. I don't know a whole lot. This seems <laughs> like we're blowing it way out of proportion. <laughs> I'm in no pain. Yeah. I have complete feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what it's called this time, but it's like, this is sounding like some hypermobility. I don't think this is anything that yeah. But I mean, again, you know, it's like a different time and yeah. Dude, the doctor just told you that unless your kid stops swimming and we put his arm in this thing, we're going to have to chop off the arm. Yeah. I've never been in that position, but, you know, I understand. You know, yeah. Like, I get it. Swimming is out. <laughs> yeah. And when, when you were that age, I mean, how quickly did you accept that? Or like, did you fight it? Because obviously swimming was such a huge part. I mean, you know what? To be to be fully transparent, I, I repressed a lot of that. Uh -huh. You know, like in my present mind and memory, it was a transition period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember throwing any major tantrums or, or yeah. you know, just becoming unruly or anything like that. But dude, this is, this is the love of my life at this point in time. Right. So this is what yeah. I go to school, go to swim practice, go home, go to sleep. Yeah. There were times yeah. in my life at this point, I had a, we're talking about February 24th. I had a birthday on my birthday, same schedule. Yeah. I'm, I'm a champ at this young age, right? Go to school, Go to swim practice, come home after swim practice. My parents have thrown a surprise party for me at home. Yeah. By the way, nothing has changed in my life. They're throwing a surprise party for me. I walk in the door, half sleep with the parka. Friends are there. Everybody's like, surprise. And I'm just like, dude, this was a terrible idea. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this, this is my thing. Uh, it was a transition. And I mean, on top of that, there were levels to it. I'm right-handed. So now my whole right shoulder is in a sling. I'm what, like second, third grade right now as 10 years old. I'm trying to learn how to write with my left hand. You yeah, know, yeah. like I got to leave this alone. So I'm, I'm gaining a little bit of ambidexterity, but I'll definitely give a lot of credit to my parents. You know, they had a lot of forward thinking. I think just a, a lot of wisdom with their years. I have older parents that have a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience. They pushed me into the next thing. So this was my dad's opportunity for basketball, you know? So I started, I started working on my left hand and, and in today's game, like it's common, right? Everybody has yeah. to, be able to play with two hands, but dude, even just, what are we talking about? Like, even just 15 years ago, yeah, being able to use both hands on a basketball court, like that was not a very common skill. Got it. So started to that, pretty much rode that bus for about eight months. My arm comes out of a sling. I'm back to normal. I feel like for the most part, same year. So this happened in the spring of, you know, however, whatever year this is. In the fall of that year, Thanksgiving, we're headed out to Valencia, right? So uh, Six Flags country here in Southern California for Thanksgiving dinner. I'm in the backseat. I fall asleep in the backseat, laying on the door, wake up. My right arm is asleep. In my mind, no big deal. Yeah. Well, had that happen. Yep. Slept on it too long. No worries. Get out the car, playing with my cousins. But my arm's not waking up. I'm like, all right, this is a little weird. And I'm feeling uh, and just incredibly lethargic. Like, I, I shouldn't be this tired. I can't even move. I feel like I can't really run. Yeah. I don't have any energy. So I noticed, like, okay, 
I'm starting to feel some numbness, dude. My cousin's the plan. I just go and I lay down in the treehouse. And then I'm like, I'm just lay here until dinner and gather myself. Get up. They're calling us for dinner. My left arm is gone numb now for the most part. Like I can, I can almost feel it spreading. Sit down for dinner. I'm sitting next to my, I I can't pick up my fork and knife right now. I look to him that I don't know how to say this. I I can't move (laughs) again. Just like when we were playing basketball that day, like you talking about, man, like I can't move. I can't, I can't move my arms. I I can't pick up this fork. He's like, all right, well, well, come on, get up. Let me talk to you. Go to stand. I can't stand. It's like, I'm here and I'm present. I can speak, but my connection with my entire body has poofed. You know, wow. I can I can feel the chair underneath me. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel these other things, but internally I'm not, nothing is working. Yep. Picks me up. We don't even have Thanksgiving dinner that year. Yeah. Picks me up, immediately takes me to the hospital. They start to run some CAT scans, inconclusive. From there, I'm immediately sent over to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Great place, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as I get there, dude, man, I got to live every kid's dream. I got to be wheeled into a dark basement. Yeah. and <laughs> poked and prodded yeah final taps with like nine inch needles put in if anyone has ever seen an mri machine it is not built for the claustrophobic no. <laughs> uh, you know you got this huge machine like easily probably a 15 by 15 mach- foot machine and the hole is just yeah tiny little yeah this tiny tiny little thing so just all of these things just all at once being bombarded. Got to run tests, got to run tests. And again, thank God my parents are there, dude. I still have to do some of these tests now being a Paralympian. Yeah. And it's, it's stressful. Yeah. Like, it's stressful. It's, it's extremely stressful. So ultimately the diagnosis came back that I had a hereditary disease called Charcot-Marie Tooth. It's suspected that that's really what was maybe going on earlier that year. Mm-hmm. It had started to just kind of become present and manifest in different ways, but now it was full-fledged. Uh, and so I was really left in this temporary uh, uh, paralyzed state for like two to three days. Wow. So I'm in a hospital bed, just like I'm talking to you now, can move my head back and forth, but the doctor says, hey, pick up your hand or point at this, shake it, couldn't do it. Now this is gonna sound crazy, but I've always had a real friendly disposition. So during this time, I don't know if it's just that young mind, but it's obviously very serious, but this is not life or death. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. No, it does. And, I mean, did you know that? Were they quickly like, this isn't life threatening, but it's going to mess with your motor skills or? No. So, so there was no conversation ever had with me at this age. Got it. There, there was no conversation, but like still just from an experience and like, yeah. you know, short of something that you usually, you know, when something's life or death, like if you're walking yeah. on edge, you know, if I lean this way, well, <laughs> yeah, so I can feel this is not right. This is not good, but it's not life or death. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was peaceful. So after a few days, ultimately that was a highly inflamed state of shark. Yeah. Yeah. Once this inflammation had reduced, uh, I was pretty much left with 30% nerve capacity from my elbow to my fingertips and 0% nerve capacity from my knees to the soles of my feet. Got it. And was that a cause from that specific episode or was it just something that would deteriorate over time? How does that disease work? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, The short answer is they still don't understand a lot of it. Got it. But ultimately, it's hereditary. It's a gene. You know, it's running my family. I have uncles who have it and things like that. It affects everyone similarly, but differently. 
And this episode, it was triggered and then this episode happened. And now coming out of this episode, I went from a regular 10 year old kid, very athletic, still don't know how to really use my body, but I'm getting the hang of it. To now I got this new body that in my humble opinion, works a lot less better than the last body I had. So I gotta figure this out. You know, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to stand, how to walk, how to hold things. You know, I'm, I'm the first one to do texting in bed. That thing will drop on my face. I got I got the butterfinger. So how do I now live this new life in this new body? And for me at that time, 100%, my parents are everything. You know, the, the doctors came back with the diagnosis and the story goes, my mom told them, don't you dare say anything to Jamal about this. Nobody talks to him about what this is and what the limiting factors are. If you do, I will come back. I will burn this hospital down. So mm-hmm. don't try me. Don't play play with mom and her cubs. (laughs) Don't don't do it, dude. And the thought process behind that was that she didn't want me to begin to believe any limits that was going to be set by some diagnosis or some book or or what people can and can't do. Yep. It was just that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you got out of there, like, so when you say 0% nerve from your knee to your, is it like completely numb? knee down yeah that, that's a great question so ultimately what that means <laughs> ultimately what that means is so if you were to kick me or i bang my leg against something i can feel that so right. i can feel pain what zero percent nerve capacity means is that like wiggling my toes is not really a thing or or even muscle degeneration is constant right and what it feels like on a day-to-day basis is like i'm walking on my kneecaps okay so imagine someone with, imagine a double, I'm pretty much imagine like a double below knee amputee. Yep. And they have prosthetic lower limbs. Only my prosthetics are flesh and bone. Got it. So that's, that's what it is. And then similar situation with my elbow to my fingertips. So, I mean, just a little bit more context with that and having tests uh, as an adult now. So if we could just do a little Quentin style and jump over here to, yeah. to an adult. In 2018, when I first joined the Paralympic movement, Obviously, I had to go get all this stuff rechecked and certified. And so what they do is they they electrocute you. It's more science, okay. they have a scientific yeah, name. For it. I get it. They electrocute you uh, <laughs> to, to make the nerves fire, right? To yeah. make the nerves fire and react. Yeah. So they do it to my chest. My whole, you know, my whole body jumps crazy. They lay me on my stomach, facing away from the doctor. My legs are up in the air. And I'm having a conversation with this doctor for about six or seven minutes. And I ended up asking him like, Hey, you know, you're going to get started anytime soon. Like I'm, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no, actually I've been doing it since, uh, since before we started talking, it's very apparent that there's nothing going on here. I'm actually baffled as to how you walked in here today. So yeah. that's, that's just a little bit more context about shark home rate too. So got it. All this is happening at 10 years old during Thanksgiving break. So I'm in the hospital for three weeks, dude. Wow. And the trippy part is because it's holiday season, I'm not even missing. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm not even missing. Everybody's yeah. on break. Yeah. I'm not missing any school. I'm yeah. not missing no no friends. You know, I'm dead. Yeah. I don't have a cell phone. The cool kids yeah. have a, I don't have a cell phone yet. <laughs> I'm nobody knows what's going on here. Yeah. And so really with that decision that my parents made to really keep me in the dark about a name and a diagnosis. Obviously I knew what I experienced and what this new experience is like now, but I'm coming back into regular life day to day. It was swept under the rug, you know? 
something and I never. You know, I have assumptions, but I'd love to ask. Like, is it? Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a good thing that it was swept under the rug? Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, I think life is about duality. So there were some really, really positive, powerful things that came from that. Mm-hmm. And later on in my life, there were a lot of really, really challenging things that I had to overcome because of this persona and identity that I had built. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately, like an identity of denial in so many ways so if i had to do it all over again sure i think any wise man would say let's do it the same because we know what happens yeah (laughs) (laughs) seems to work out yeah so you get you know when you when do you go back to school is it after winter and everything or what yeah so i'm I'm back in the spring literally after things after christmas break yeah like however it worked out during that time it's just like oh well i guess jamal just was like he's He's taking yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas break. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's on holiday now. Yeah. You know, so there were no question. There was no nothing when I came yeah. back. And, and like, uh, did you walk right away? Like, were you okay? Like, how long did it take you to like feel, get so used? It, to- did, it didn't take me long to yeah. be able to figure out walking. You yeah. know, what I'm saying like it was, again, it was just really. I mean, I'm saying basic physics, but yeah, it's like keep this portion of your leg underneath this portion of your body, and you'll have balance. Yeah. So after a couple of days, yeah, I got the hang of it now. Am I the best runner? Absolutely not. Not very fast. My jog is more of a trot. I have a, for a tall guy, I have a very small stride. Yeah. Understand. So, I mean, yeah, in that respect, it was, that that was no great hurdle to overcome necessarily trying to, trying to get to a point where I could just blend in. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And so what happened next? Like, talk to me about, like, did you get back into swimming? Yeah. Like, what? No, heck no, man. Yeah. Swimming is still off the table, dude. <laughs> yeah. What did they say? Chop off an arm, dude. Swimming, don't talk about swimming around here. Yeah. <laughs> swimming is not, inter- and I'm, again, I'm 10 years old, dude. Yeah. You know, ain't no, ain't no reasoning as a 10-year-old kid, you yeah. know, where I, where I, especially where I come from, at least, you know, be yeah. different be different strokes for different folks, but a kid has a kid's place, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yep. nothing to talk about. And I understood that as a kid. I don't need to, only thing this is going to do is make my life harder. <laughs> so yeah. uh came back to school and, you know, uh ultimately, man, just like lived a pretty regular mundane life, blended in, you know, anything that I was coming up against as challenges, you know, I would come home like, there's no way that this kid should be able to beat me at this. Can you see me look at this kid? Like, you know, not trying to shame anybody, but it's like, if they were just looking at us, I am the winner. But for some reason, I'm not winning. Like this kid is able to jump higher than me, or this kid is able to run faster. this, all these different things. And it's like, because I, I don't really have access to my entire body. And without fail for years, my parents would always say, look, a lot of people will tell you there are guarantees in this world. We're going to give you one guarantee, no matter what it is. If you're working at something, promise you, if you continue to practice it, you will 100% become better than you currently are right now. Touche. That's it. Don't know if you'll ever beat that other kid yep. and speak on it. But if you work at it, this thing, whatever it is, and you practice, you're going to get better. Period. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Good attitude. Do and that so- and so I'm curious, what since you, you know you were so all encompassed with swimming up until that year, mm-hmm. what what replaced that? Like when you went back to school, like what were you doing? Um, Did you have a new hobby, sir? Initially, I don't know that. I mean, like you know, I started to play. I started to do a little bit more basketball. Um, we had a basketball court in the driveway. 
I tried to, oh, I did Pop Warner football. That was like one of the earliest ones. I did Pop Warner, hated, hated Pop Warner football. Because <laughs> I was a tall kid. Yeah. And when you're little, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you're tall, you get put on the line. Yeah. So I'm like, who in the world wants this job? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I never touched the ball. Like, yeah. I don't need to run it, but let me try throwing it. Let me try catching it, something. Yeah. Yeah. So after a year of being on the line, yeah. dude, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, so <laughs> did that for a year, started to play basketball a little bit more. And, and this is one of those things where that competitive, that competitiveness that you were asking me about, where you could kind of really see that my competitive is a lot more like yours. Yeah. Uh, and that I just never had this killer instinct on the basketball court or on the yeah. football field. Cause I didn't really care. Yeah. Like, I'm playing basketball because it's fun. I like yeah. developing these skills. I like being able to do cool tricks, but like, do I really care? Maybe if we're playing one-on-one, yeah. I care about winning, but like in this team atmosphere, like, bro, I don't really care. You can sit me on the end of the bench and I'll just sit there all game. Like it doesn't yeah. matter to me. I'm yeah. yeah. And that was my attitude, you know? So yeah. that went on for like six years from the age of 10 through elementary school, through middle school, all into my freshman year of high school. And, uh, you know, just along the way, yeah, different people would pick up on different things, but this is so far removed from most people's scope of experience. There's no way right. anyone could connect these dots. Yeah. That's like, so you still didn't talk, you didn't talk to friends about it that you, Oh no, 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 dude, this is, huh. this is under the rug and under the floorboard. So again, you had that, then 0% nerve was that, so you were playing football and really couldn't feel the lower half of your legs. Oh yeah. Wow. It's yeah. awesome though. I mean, and honestly, like I love that your parents did that because like it, it it's like the benefit of having the excuse. There is no benefit. You know, it's it, I get the reason, but it, it encouraged you to go be a kid and go do all mm-hmm. the things you would have done anyways, even with a limitation that, you know, frankly doesn't sound like it really disrupted that part of it. <laughs> Dude, it didn't. It didn't. Took a lot. If anything, it just made me an incredibly humble human being, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. All those times where the ego and arrogance yeah. wanted to just take over. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> this is divine intervention. This is not your destiny. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. Never talked to any friends about it. Never talked to any family members about it, except uh-huh. for the, the few that had dealt with it in their own lives. Right. And even yeah. they knew this is not something publicized. And it started, in all honesty, to fall so much into the background that I knew it was there. But I lived life as if it wasn't. I completely yeah. ignored it. You know, like if anyone had asked me, I never would have said anything about it. Yeah. Like people were just like, oh yeah, Jamal just can't jump. Like <laughs> just like I'm a six four guy. I've never dunked the basketball. And it's yeah. not for a lack of strength, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Or right. ability. It's like, well, it is a lack of ability because I'm jumping yeah. off my knees, you know? Yeah. So it's right. a struggle. So things like that always being you know it took me I've been working with it for 16 years now but in those early years a lot more clumsy a lot more all but also a lot of things that are just associated with youth and adolescence and people right. come to their body so yep like I said I'm, I'm just blending in and I got no complaints and so you hit high school what yeah where to go from there yeah so I hit high school man uh I went to a math and science school so 
my my fam, like my aunts and uncles are real brainiacs, like physicists, JPL, yeah. doctor type people. Um, so I was always heavy into math and science. As a freshman, I went to a math and science specialty school. Uh, and after a year there, I was like, you know, this is great, but this is not the real high school experience. Like I, I need what I need what I saw on TV. Yeah. So I ended up transferring to a school called Junipero Serra in Gardena, Serra High School, big football school, actually. Uh-huh. Get there. I'm playing basketball at this time. Now I'm really caring. But they have a swim team, as fate would have it. They got a swim team, I think, either one or two years before I got there. And then they got rid of the swim team probably one or two years after I left there. So, <laughs> <laughs> divine. Yeah. <laughs> divine yeah. window of opportunity. Um, so I get there, man. They got a swim team. You know, now I'm a sophomore in high school. Definitely have garnered more respect with my parents. And it's been long since, it's been six years now since this yeah, well. happened with my shoulder. Hey, they got a swim team, dude. I was real good at this once upon a time. I want to do it. You sure? Is it, uh, uh, you know, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go out for the swim team. And But if anything's happening, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it accordingly. Right. Go out for the swim team. And uh, it's a predominantly, predominantly black school. And second is Hispanic. And then third is the Samoan population. There's two white kids at the whole school. And on the swim team, it's uh, a white guy that's a senior at this time while I'm a sophomore. There's a white girl that's a freshman while I'm a sophomore. And then there's me. Who, who actually know how to swim and they've been doing more year round. They're like, they're, 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 they're in it. But pretty much our entire junior varsity swim team is at swim practice learning how to swim. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're at swim. So I was always like, even, you know, me thinking uh, this logical fallacy that I was a beast six years ago, dude. I'm the most valuable swimmer in the county. Yeah. I got this. I'm a pro. Yeah, I'm telling the coach, dude, watch me work. <laughs> just just yeah. watch me work. And I got this. So I'm already just top three on the team because of yeah. <laughs> what the team is like. Um, but definitely was not, you know, was not how I remembered it. I was, yeah. I was, it was a lot harder, a lot more tiring. And for some reason, I was not as fast as I thought I should be. Yeah. So that's what it was like. Got into it again as a sophomore, man. And uh, again, this experience that I'm having is under wraps. Nobody knows about this. I don't talk about it. Um, the water is a very therapeutic place. Even people with sarcomary tooth. Now, most of the sarcomary tooth community is either semi wheelchair bound. So like they can stand and things like that, but they keep a chair with them or they wear these things called AFOs. That's an acronym for something fancy, but ultimately it's a lower leg brace. So kind of like they got a, they got the lower half of Forrest Gump going on. So the people that I have met and encountered that don't wear AFOs and that don't, you know, use wheelchairs necessarily have a habit of swimming. They yeah. have a habit of aquatic. So there's definitely something in that water there that that is helpful in. And I kind of glazed over this, but in that six year period, you know, I'm talking about people wearing AFOs and all these things. Dude, when I say that I buried this so deep and it, it refused to acknowledge it, I have sprained, I've never actually broken it, but I've sprained, twisted every gnarly thing you can think that you could do to a human's ankle. Yeah. At least 200 times in my life. I got to imagine because you can't feel it. So you step down wrong all the time. Dude, right? I was always on crutches. I was always, I always have my ankles taped playing basketball. 
the low top shoes are the cool looking ones, man. I'm not trying to be out here yep. freaking dark, you know, <laughs> wearing the high tops. And my dad's like, dude, you got to wear ankle braces. Hard headed. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. Get in the game, take a few steps, trip over my own foot, ankles twisted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to be. Do you, feel, can you feel it? Like, do you actually feel the when you? Oh, I feel the pain. Yeah. 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 Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, my pain receptors work just fine. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the bright side to that, though, is I literally just jacked them up so bad over time and time and time again that now my ankles are pretty much like Gumby. They can bend any type of way, and yeah. I'm off. Got you it. Know? So nice. They don't work any better, but they're bulletproof is a new phrase, right? It's a popular yeah. phrase now. My ankles are, I got bulletproof ankles. Yeah. And the key is you just got to keep spraining and twisting them until they just will bend any way that they land. So there you go. There you go. All right. You worked through it. So yeah, yeah so, you, so you started swimming. How, I mean, as you said, it was harder, but how did it harder. go in high school? Uh, high school went well, man. For the first, my sophomore year, dude, I only swam three months out the year. So, yeah. you know, imagine you're running Hawk Media three months out there. You probably don't got the business you got. Yeah. Uh, swimming three months out the year. Sophomore, junior year, I might have swam four or five months. I'm a real seasonal swimmer. Senior year, I'm like, all right, let me, let me take it serious. Let me really apply some pressure here. So if the season starts in February, I started swimming probably in October with, with a club team and it went well, dude. Later that year, I ended up winning actually. Uh, I ended up winning the 50 meter, the 50 yard freestyle for our district, for our league. Wow. I ended up winning the 50 yard freestyle for our league. And it was a hell of a race, dude. It was the last swim of my high school career. So yes. that type of energy definitely yeah. helped me. You know, that energy helps, man. That's a superpower. And that's them gamma rays. Um, so, dude, swam it. Swam great. Freaking won the race. The first person in school's history to win this race, guaranteed. Probably to win any <laughs> race, honestly. Um, <laughs> but put me in the history books. I was saying, do you have, like, your, like, Speedo hanging from the rafters? Like, what happens with that? <laughs> oh, no, dude. They don't give, they didn't give a darn about swimming, bro. They... <laughs> They don't give a good. I would have had to win state championships to get something like that. Yeah. Um, even with this race and me winning the district, which is really impressive, the referees came to me after the race and they're like, hey, get great swim, great swim. So because you won the race, that let me rephrase that great swim, you didn't hit the CIF qualifying time. So that is the state qualifying time. You missed it by a few hundreds or something like that, yeah. or no, not a few hundreds. That's too close. You missed it by a few tenths. Got it. Um, but because you won and obviously like you're the league champ, we'll allow you to do a time trial after the meet. You can try and swim it again. You can try and hit it and your season doesn't have to be over. You can go on and move to state championships. And this is a moment, this pivotal moment in my life. Did I go back to the bleachers and I'm thinking, and I'm like, let me get this straight. These crazy fools, Dude, I just swam the fastest I ever swam in my life, Brandon. That's number one. That's no, I just swam the fastest I ever swam in my life. Now these crazy fools want me to wait until after the swim meet when no one else is in the pool. It's only me. And everyone is going to be standing around the pool watching me. I got center stage and want me to swim even faster than I just swam, which again is the fastest I ever went. And everyone there will know if I succeed or fail which i am and i'm obviously feeling like i'm probably not about to be able to do this yeah heck no i'm not doing that bro like are you freaking <laughs> no 
that's not even, I don't even feel like that's, and at the time of my, I'm like, bro, this is a no brainer. This is like not even a good opportunity really. And so I didn't do it. Uh, you know, my coach didn't force my hand. Uh, but when I got home, I told my dad about it and he was just like, damn, you know, I, I wish I had been there, dude. I would have talked you into doing it. And ultimately the, the conversation that we had from that, it changed my mindset. That, that was a big paradigm shifting time for me in that, you know, I promised myself if there ever came a time in the future where what I had done, what I accomplished earned me an opportunity to try something greater and bigger, regardless of the likelihood of success, regardless of whether I, I, I even truly believe I can accomplish it or not, I'm going to go after it because I owe that to myself. I was the only person at the pool that day who was presented that opportunity and I squandered it. Yeah. You know? So if I ever had a regret, that was a regret that I didn't just go for that swim, you know? So, and that, that was my high school swimming career, dude. And I came out of high school, you know, coming into senior year, into swim season. I'm a smart guy, almost too smart. Sometimes, you know, had a great freshman and sophomore, had a great freshman year, but like, Sophomore to junior year, it's like, dude, homework is overrated. <laughs> Listen, I'll pay attention to class. I'll show up. I'll do well enough on the test. But, like, I feel like we're running in circles here. So, yeah. needless to say, the last semester of my senior year, dude, I got a 4.0. And that boosted my overall GPA to a reasonable place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, I'm, I'm looking at college. And at this point in time, it's still not deep down it is maybe inside but in terms of what i believe i don't believe it's in my future i don't believe i have the ability to become a pro swimmer uh -huh. but i still want this journey to continue i'm still not done with it yet yeah. um and so did i get into colleges all over the country academic scholarships here and there my only requirement was that any school i went to had a swim team yeah go figure every single school that offered me a full ride did not have a swim wow. team <laughs> none of, of them yeah we're talking about you know 10 how many colleges are there we're talking about 10 to 12 schools that were going to just pay for my yep. education yep. but they didn't have swim teams um and so at this point i'm like well i'm not going to any of those and i refused to go to a state school i was like dude if i'm going to a state school i might as well just go to junior college honestly. Yep. uh so that's where my mindset was i'm like all right i guess i'll be going to santa monica college shoot at least i got a swim team maybe elko yep. at least i got a swim team and uh just the craziest thing happened one of my good friends went to Ohio for, for a meet and greet for a D3 scholar. This is after graduation, by the way, as a senior. Wow. He, he went out for a meet and greet because he's going to be going there. Divine intervention, dude. His parents are with him. Somehow, they all end up meeting the swim coach at this banquet. They end up talking about me. The swim coach calls me. He's like, hey, I heard you were looking to come swim for somebody. Come swim for me. I got some money for you. Wow. There it is. Sight yeah, unseen. Sure. Yeah. I fly to Ohio, the boonies, Northeast Ohio, Hiram College. For reference, the nearest McDonald's, the nearest actual town is three miles away. Wow. So it really is an about we're, <laughs> we're here. The, the nearest gas station, McDonald's, all this, three miles away. So, again, let's just to put in, uh, in a frame of reference there. End up going out there sight unseen, man. And, uh, you know, my parents and I meet the coach, old school guy, really, really fast back in, back in the seventies. He, it's his name that's up on all the rafters at this pool, you know? So yeah, it just kind of, again, it's almost like somebody was asking me the other day, what's been the most pivotal moment? I was telling him, you got to understand 
in life, I think we all do a disservice when we don't acknowledge that. It's not necessarily one moment, but it's a lot more like this trail of breadcrumbs. Yep. Each one just gets you to that point to where you can see the next one. Yep. You know, and it doesn't 100%. always make sense. Yep. <laughs> Poignant. And so how did the college swim career go? Ah, it went all right, man. <laughs> did you enjoy college at least? Do you have a good time? Oh, like, dude, I, I did have a good time. It, it was, it was, a, it was a great moment. And ultimately it gave me my career. So I, you know, I don't advise this. I went to a liberal arts college as a physics major. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> physics major, French minor, just all over the board, dude. But I, I knew what I liked. Uh, yeah. Physics major, French minor. And I'm in, I'm in the swim team. And, you know, I just kind of build off of senior year. So now again, I'm swimming six months out the year. Boom. After my freshman year, old coach leaves, new coach comes in. Okay, whatever. Uh, have another meet maybe like seven months out the year as a sophomore. Okay. As a junior, I'm like, let me channel that senior year energy, you know, cause I want to have an even yeah. better year next year as a senior. Let me channel yeah. it. Now. I commit to it. I'm there from the time school starts. Uh, so it's like nine months, nine months out of the year. Now I'm swimming. And uh, again, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows yeah. about Charco Marie tooth. We come to the national championships. My parents fly to Ohio from LA Dude, I swim it absolute freaking bomb, bombed it, like bombed. I never been so embarrassed in my life, man. I'm swimming this much faster, like you know, maybe a couple hundredths or tenths faster than I was in high school three years ago. Yeah. My parents are here. I don't make any finals, uh, you know. So, and our team is the worst team. So even our relay that isn't a final gets completely blown out of the water. It's like it's just the most embarrassing experience. And it was the closest thing I ever had to depression. You know, it just took me to a place, man. Cried the whole bus ride back, man. Locked myself in my in my suite at that time on campus for a couple of days. And I came to this point where I realized, like, dang, Jamal, you know, you usually don't emote too much. You no know, thing. Dude, you were paralyzed and you weren't knocked, knocked off this bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you probably really care about this. Like, this, this, is, <laughs> this is meaningful to you. Really, really meaningful. And I, that was it. I'm like, well, shoot, maybe I should just try and make this my career. Like, if it means this much to me, maybe I should just make this my career. So there you have it. The biggest, most embarrassing fell of my life. I'm like, yeah. that is a sign. This is what I should be doing. <laughs> and so that was it, man. As a, as a junior in college, called up my parents again. February is just a common theme for me here. Called up my parents after these natural champs. Hey, I know you guys saw that. I know you don't necessarily think the coaching is the best. And I know you think this and the other, but what I'm telling you is that I want to be a pro swimmer. It's already 2016 right now. Rio is happening in a few months. If I want to have any chance at making this team in four years, I can't come back to Ohio another year. I, I got to leave after this year. I can't come back. Dude, amazing people. They're like, yeah, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> like, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Not, not in those words, but in that. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But support. That's crazy supportive. Yeah. So I just, boom, go into research mode, man. I need the best coach in the world. I don't care where they are. That's where I'm going. I'm on, yeah. I'm on a, on a, a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage, pilgrimage worked out in my favor, found a great coach at university of Southern California, right here in LA. So I'm like, yep. I heard that. I'm coming home, baby. Perfect. Yeah. Call up the coach at USC. Hey, Mr. Salo. Yeah, my name's Jamal Hill. Going to school in Northeast Ohio right now, man. Uh, I'm about to be dropping out this year. 
to uh, to move back to LA and start training for the Olympic. I want to know, can I come and join your program? <laughs> Mr. Completely Unknown, Completely Unranked. I think you said your name was Jamal. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you this. That's a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying this with love. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. That's a dumb idea. You're better off just finishing your degree and then you can like go chasing your fairy tales. And for his physics major, doing I'm at liberal arts, I at least got two and a half years, even as a junior. Yeah. That's just real. And I know this. I'm like, well, he's like, dude, th- this is dumb. Don't do it. And so I called him a few more times and ultimately just conveyed the point. Like, look, you got to understand this, man. It's happening. I'm <laughs> going to be there. Like, you can either say yes to me on the phone so I can stop calling you, or you can wait until September when I'm standing outside of the pool every day and let me in there. Yeah. Like, whatever, bro. Do you <laughs> let me know when you're back in LA and you can train with you can train with our post grad team. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I appreciate that. Do come back to LA. So now it's 2016, right after Rio. Yeah. Get right in there at Trojan. Train with them for a year. Swim with Olympians, you know, the, the best coaches in the world. And different times coaches say different things like, dude. It seems like you should be able to do this. Why can't you go this fast? Are you just super tight? Why don't your lower legs work when you kick? All these things. And I'm just like, you know what, coach? I'll try harder. I'll try harder. And, uh, you know, ultimately after a year, though, I still hadn't really improved. And at this point, I'm hypersensitive. I know I've wasted a lot of time. Either way, end up meeting a former USC Trojan post-grad athlete out of swimming to UCLA. He's working with this woman, Wilma Wong, uh, this Asian lady, which is an Asian woman head coach is even more rare than a professional black swimmer. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So meet her. She looks me up and down again. Like people see me, you know, I'm a physical specimen. I work out. I'm a professional athlete. Looks me up and down. You can't see anything wrong with me, right? It's an invisible disability. It's like, yeah, you want to make it to trials and then maybe maybe make the team. I can help you do that. Say less. I leave USC. I'm on a pilgrimage, man. Can't slow yeah, down. 100%. <laughs> Start working with her for a year. We worked together for a year. After a year, she comes to me and she pulls me inside. She says, look, Jamal, dude, I'm frustrated. Now, these sets I'm giving you, everyone else is improving. They're all able to do these things. Nothing is consistent with you. That's number one. Number two, I look at the way that you climb out of the pool, the way you literally pick your legs up out of the pool, the way you pick your legs up out of the car to put them on the ground before you get out, the way that you don't dive off the board. Like people fly off those boards. You're like slipping into the water almost. Is there something you're not telling me? Because you really remind me of some of my cerebral palsy patients that I used to work with. I I get this big grin. It's like, oh my God. It's been 12 years since this incident. And for the first time in my life, somebody has seen this. Wow. Like, I don't have to be the one to make an excuse. Yeah. Or to try and explain something that it's hard to explain because, again, I don't fit the stigma of disability. I've been, yeah. I've been seen. So, dude, I was so excited. I'm like, wow, you know, I actually got this thing going on. Funny story. I tell her about it. She, next thing she says to me is, well, hey, I know you want to go to the Olympics, but maybe uh maybe the paralympics will be a better fit complete shift of energy man i got stone face never been so offended in my life like yo don't as politely as i've ever talked to her don't ever say that to me again don't ever say that to me again that's not me i don't identify that with that if anyone had ever asked me 
are Olympic and are, are able and disabled people created equally? Do they deserve the same opportunities? Do any decent human being is going to be like, of course. Let me tell you this, though. You can think what you want to, but as soon as you are actually in those shoes, yeah. oh, what you really feel is going to come to the surface. Yeah. I'm like, that is not me. Don't ever say that again. She let it go. A few months go by. It's the summer of 2018 now. Somebody comes and trains with this. We train together. We're diving. We're swimming. We're looking at the video. The guy says out of nowhere, dude, did you know your legs don't work? I'm looking at this dive. You're just falling in. What is this? I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't know that my legs don't work. <laughs> I got this thing, <laughs> this disease. And he's like, oh, bro, you got to move to the Paralympics, dude. Like, I got a blind friend. I got this. I got that. And immediately he's like, oh, oh I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, he's reading my facial expression. <laughs> Excuse myself from practice. Humbling experience, man. I'm like, okay, deep breath. Let's look at the facts. Fact. In the last six months, two people have called me on something that no one has called me on in the past 12 years. They're both ultimately saying the same thing. Maybe this is a sign. Maybe there's something I play bigger than what I understand. Let me just see where this is going. All right, we'll do it, man. We'll do it. I'll check it out. Go to the Paralympics in 2018. End up getting classified. January 2018. I wrote down on a flashcard, I want to win a national championship title. I'm still headed for the Olympic track. This is a long shot. Impossible. This is an impossible goal. December that same year, I won multiple national championship titles, a part of the Paralympics. So it it was great. And uh, ultimately, that 2018 was another pivotal moment that December because two things. Number one, that's when I finally began to just acknowledge and accept myself and, and open up yep. about all the shame and fear that I had surrounding disability and, and the stigmas of perceptions, all the girlfriends and guy friends and cousins and this and that, that I had never told about this, that might think I was lying, that might start to look at me less than, you know, I'm already, dude, I'm already like normally the only black guy on the pool deck. And so it's like, now that's fine. But like now, in my mind, I'm on the Paralympic pool deck and I don't stand out as someone with disability. Right. So all eyes are really about to be on. Like I got a hyper focus. People are trying to figure it out. What is this guy's deal? What's going on with him? Yeah. I broke down, came to my parents, uh, came to my inner circle and uh, communicated that to them. And ultimately they communicated back to me. Look, we still love you. You're Jamal. You're great. We don't care what happens. We're with you. That was all I needed, dude. That, that's what made me kick down that proverbial closet door, step out. And once I did that and started to share my story, dude, it just started to take off everything yeah. I was doing. That's awesome. I mean, again, you've just told your story and I've heard bits and pieces of this over time. Like, it's impressive, man. You stuck with something. Like, again, you gave yourself no excuses, even though you frankly had every excuse to take. So it's pretty amazing. And so how'd it go? How was the Olympics? Oh, listen, uh, and I got to I gotta correct you. They're equal, but they're separate. Yeah. Paralympics. 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 It's a different brand. Please correct me. Yep. <laughs> you know what? It was, uh, it, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This, this Paralympics was my first one ever, and it, and it took place in the COVID-19 context. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of the fantasies and stories and all these wild things that we've all heard about the Olympics and the games and stuff like that, that wasn't this. Right. This was a very antisocial environment. It was designed that way, you know, and obviously even having language barriers that you can usually overcome through body language 
and things like that. We're all wearing masks. The the dining hall is all like private, private little booths where you eat your food. Nothing is meant to enable communication and, and more interaction that's necessary. So that was one thing about just uh that was one aspect of the experience, but on the performance side of the experience, you had, I feel like in some ways you had to be even more on your mental game, mm-hmm. you know, and not having the crowd there and not having distractions. I know for a fact threw a lot of people off. Yeah. Uh, you know, the average day for us before a competition was like sleep for eight hours, go to the pool for two hours. You got 14 hours in the day now. And all you got is Wi-Fi. There's nothing to do. You're just hanging yeah. out a lot of time to overthink and to outdo yourself. And then uh, you come into the event and a stadium that would normally be filled with 20, 30,000 people is empty. Yeah. And you're lining up for the biggest race of your life up until this point, something that everybody here has been working for for five years, but really a lifetime. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, to be able to finish that race and uh, ultimately just to be able to medal, to win a bronze was fantastic. My favorite experience, though, my absolute favorite experience from the games, it wasn't the podium. It wasn't getting the medal. It was when I finished the race that I won the medal in. I touched the wall, and and we've all seen the swimming races, right? They touch the wall, they spin around real quick to try and see what the place and the time was. I touched the wall, and I didn't turn around. Um, In my peripheral, I could see that one person had out-touched me. And, right, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. How many people can you afford to yeah. let beat you to the wall to still get a necklace. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can only let two people beat you to get a necklace in any event. Yeah. So yeah. I knew one person now touched me and it was a close race. Gold medal was four, was four tenths faster. Silver was two tenths faster and I was bronze. It was like, we were all separated by this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Faster yeah. than I can make a sound. But I touched that wall and I didn't turn around and look at the board. I shook my competitor's hands. I can hear them cheering. But in that moment, what I was doing was just taking the time to acknowledge and have gratitude for myself separate from whatever the result was. Yep, that's so important. Dude, I knew that I, I don't know if the time showed or not, but I knew that I brought my best and that I had swam a damn near perfectly technical race. And I had truly left it all in the water. And I needed that. I needed to have that self-love and appreciation and gratitude, regardless if I saw that I came in sixth. Yeah. You know? And it didn't need to just only be valuable because I came in third, second, or first. So dude, I never would have turned around. I would have got out of the literally my plan was to get out of the pool, never turn around, and like just look at the look at the result sheet backstage. Yeah. <laughs> that was my plan. But then uh, one of my teammates starts calling my name jamal jamal ah. and i'm like well look they don't call your name for fourth and fifth place baby i know that <laughs> i ain't never been here before but i know that i know that much they don't, they don't call your name if you're not top three yeah. so, you know i turned around and and it was great man this just you know obviously everyone there is the everyone there is the best wherever they're from they're all they're, they're all literally champions that's what it is it's the competition yeah. of the world champion so yeah a lot of people don't make it. And then a lot of people who make it there, most don't come back with the necklace. Most don't right. come back with the medal. So to be able to bring this back and have some tangible validation to all the work and time that not only I invested, but all the, dude, even when you and I, man, like that was yeah. still, that was like two, three years ago. 
Yeah. Still working on this. I had just come back from the Pan American Games, you know, at that time when we first met. So to even have all these experiences and to have been able to almost like just take you all on this journey with me to this point. Yeah. You know, like, no, it's been fun, man, watching on social media and everything. It's been and I and you've got a decent following. Like a lot of people have enjoyed watching the journey. Like it's, yeah. it's cool to see. So I got two more questions for you. you Number do. one, biggest one, what's next? Oh yeah. Well, next is Paris. Uh, I mean, just in yeah, terms okay. of okay. So you are training for Paris. Yeah, yeah. I'm already training for Paris. Nice. I'm swimming more than I was swimming before Tokyo. Uh-huh. Two big things about that. Number one is Paris is only two and a half years away. Yep. So it's going to come quick, right? We just oh, came yeah. off a five-year stand. So two and a half years is like, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, the second thing regarding it is before my first game, dude, I was talking a big game. I'm like, yeah, I'm going Tokyo, winning four gold. I'm going Paris, cleaning up. I'm yeah. going LA, 2028, baby. Yeah. Dude, after the games and after having, because once you're in the, when you're in the grind, you don't have time to stop and, and count your eggs. You're working. Yeah. Yeah, I through a process, and I truly understand how freaking hard the last five years really were. I got sober, dude. I'm taking it one game at a time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, right now there's Paris. If I accomplish all my goals in Paris, as attractive as LA 28 sounds, hometown. Yeah. <laughs> Rep at the hometown. hometown. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And last question uh, is. For someone going for their dreams or someone that, you know, wants to aspire to be something great, what do you think's the, like, one piece of advice you either wish you received or you did receive that helped you go along the way? What do you think is that one? I'm sure there's a lot of things, but yeah. what's one key thing that's in your head about this? You guys got a lot of gyms in this, so go back through and check it out. Yeah. One thing I would say that's just on my heart right now is time is going to pass no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what you decide to do with your life, what you do, whether you decide to pursue that dream or not, five years from now, five years will have passed. And you'll look at that five years and however you spent it is how you spent it. For me, when I set out on this impossible mission, yeah, of course, we all want to have a win. We all want to be victorious. But I knew for a fact that however it ended, as long as I took the chance and got after it, I could live with that. Yep. And that five years from now, whether I was where I wanted to be or not, I would know how I spent that last five years and what it was in pursuit of. And that would be enough. If you're not good enough, you're not good enough, dude. Life is life. That that happens. Mm-hmm. But what I couldn't live with was five years passing and me being one of those guys or girls, it's like, well, if this, if that, if the other, maybe next time. So that's it, man. The next two and a half years are going to pass no matter what I do. Yep. Uh, so... You only got one life. Exactly. Might as well go for it. You might as well go for it, man. (laughs) Spend that time. Spend that that time how you want to spend it. Because once it's gone, you don't get it back. Amen. Well, Jamal, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Hawk Talk. Absolutely. Thank you guys. You guys. Thank you for having (laughs) me here. And thank you, Hawk Media, for just just having this podcast. It's been great to see your company grow and, and, and to be a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month-to-month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. 
To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.